Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. I'm your host today, Joe Kowalski. Um, we've got a pretty cool little something different. We interviewed the uh, Broadly, and Rich joined us. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Michael will do a synopsis. Um, we did release Service Monster 6.5.1. So that's been out um, a week now, so a couple of weeks for you guys. And we've been doing hot fixes the whole way through. We'll talk about that because that gave us a lot of great data to share with you guys. Uh, we've got um, an Entree Joe post we might hang out for for a minute. It's something I've been banging the drum on. And then some good old posts from Smug. But before we do all that, Michael, tell us about Broadly. Yeah, so we're going to be joined here by uh, Rich. He's the the uh, Director of Business Development for Home Services there at Broadly. Um, they're more of a the review platform, but also just a communication platform as a whole for service businesses. They integrate with Service Monster, so you can easily um, get or, or send send review requests to your clients. Um, they're an awesome company. We're really excited to be working with them. Um, and uh, Rich here is going to give us kind of a rundown of what Broadly does and really what um, an integration with Broadly will do for a Service Monster user and how it improves the whole Service Monster experience. Very good. Without further ado, Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, um, my, notes, my notes say here that you're the Director of Business Development for Home Services at Broadly. What the heck does that mean? What do you do? Right. So I'm kind of the tip of the spear for the organization. Uh, we have a great solid sales team there that uh, talks to contractors, uh, shares the information that Broadly offers and gets them on board. We have people who take care of them. But I'm the one who works with organizations that, like yours at Service Monster to try to partner up and create uh, a nice program for your members to be able to join in Broadly. Um, awesome. So if I am brand new to hearing about broadly for the first time what value do your does your service bring to me as a, a service provider so broadly's value in short would be that we really lower your cost of new customer acquisition so everybody in the game here wants to find new customers we need leads we need our revenue source and broadly by way of customer feedback and improvement of the customer journey could really help lower the overall cost of customer acquisition. Okay, what's that mean in, in real-world tangible terms? Fair question. So what that means is when you look at the ways we can find leads today, we can do postcards, we can do pay-per-click. There's all sorts of different means by finding new customers. The lowest cost way you get a lead would be a word-of-mouth referral. We're the next best thing to that. We're a referral online. So... Uh, being with Broadly, we help manage your online reputation. We solicit feedback from your existing customers to help build your resume, so to speak, online for new potential prospects. So in doing that, we improve your local search with Google. It helps you rank higher on the map pack. It helps you rank higher on local service ads if you do that with Google. And so that's how the reviews really feed into lowering your customer acquisition cost. Whereas others will spend maybe hundreds for a lead you can get that cost way, way lower and essentially by having reviews that drive customers to your website and to your services. So leveraging uh, the service providers database to solicit review and online activity and engagement to increase the likelihood of visibility. And obviously there's more to the sauce than that. So break that down for us. 
I will. So think of a, a cycle, if you will. Um, there's a kind of a customer journey, you know, lifespan or life cycle there. The first thing you got to do is get discovered. So we got to find ways to make you look attractive online if you're a service provider. That's what your reviews do for you. Even if you do TV or, or radio these days, I think what you're going to find are people are going to go and vet you online. They're going to see what you look like to make sure before they call you and have you come in their home that you're COVID friendly or that you have a good reputation with a customer that you've been around for a while, that you're a legitimate organization. Having reviews helps you do that. So you get discovered and you engage with your customers. They come to your website and we offer a web chat service. The web chat will then invite people to speak in a way they prefer. We have statistics that show that 90% of consumers today are preferring to communicate by ways other than phone call if they can. Some like the phone, that's to be sure, about 10% that do, but 90% actually prefer to text. We offer that with our web chat service, so we engage customers. And then throughout the process, from getting that first initial point of contact all the way through the entire experience of installation or, or service or whatever the uh, services that you provide, you can communicate by two-way text with your customer by using the Broadly app. Now, what, when you say text and you say engage in online chat, um, are you referring to AI or are you referring to people in your office or are you referring to people in the service provider's office? Well, it's a little bit of a blend. It's mostly real people. The, the AI part of it will be when you first initially go to, to one of your members' websites. They go there, they'll get a web chat that'll ask them a question to engage them. If they respond and they want to, want to engage by a written text like that, what will happen is that gets immediately transferred to a real person at Broadly. So they're no longer talking to AI and it doesn't continue. The app notifies your contact person that you set up with Broadly, and you're able to immediately jump into that conversation and take over the live. So at that point, Broadly is actually physically dealing with the lead and engaging that client and getting them on the conveyor belt, as it were. Um, no, correction. So maybe I wasn't clear. So what happens actually is it's the contact person at the the at the, the end user. So the service provider is responsible for answering those calls. So you're providing the technological platform. They're still providing their own customer service support, lead acquisition uh, processes and activities. Absolutely. We would never be able to to be able to represent that company as well as they could. So their own person takes it from there. Yeah. Sure. Um, lead capture. So um, how is that being done? How are you essentially taking credit for these leads coming in? Or what is your, I guess, what's your payment model look like? Would I think would be an interesting question for our customers at this point. Sure. So our payment model, we, we do annual plans and we, we bill monthly. So it comes in small bite-sized increments. If we want to get specific, I'm happy to do that. But with the service, uh, you get the app, and in the app, you have a dashboard. The dashboard will measure everything you do within that app, including the number of engagements you have with customers, individual customers, by way of the web chat box that pops up. That's how we measure what we capture on the leads that particular way. There is a whole other source of lead generation that comes with people that select you other ways because they kind of they approved of who you were by the number of reviews you had, the score, the you know the content in those reviews. That drives people to select you for the services. So even if they don't use web chat, we know there's an intangible effect in the amount of leads you get because of the uh, reputation you have online with your reviews. Um, so if I'm an average uh, single owner operator, what's that going to run me? Yeah. So as a small business here, it's $247 a month. And at $247 a month, you get the app, which is going to include the review management system. It's going to include the web 
Web chat feature is going to include the ability to text by way of the, the app with your people throughout the entire customer journey. If you need mobile payment service, you can do that to keep everything paperless. And then at the end of that entire process, it will then request the new uh, set of reviews from somebody to restart that entire life cycle again. Very good. Um, now, in order to get that done, of course, me being a geek, I, I hear the, the um, process problems you might run into. One of which being at some point, someone's going to install, have to install this stuff on their website and service providers and contractors aren't particularly notorious for being webmasters. So how do you bridge that gap? How does Broadly get the services wired into their websites? So that's a great question to ask because it is a, a very real thing in this world that we, we work in and live in. So that broadly, our onboarding process is very simple. We will need a few things for you. We'll need your Google My Business information. Um, they're working with you, service sponsor. We'll want to integrate. Our process is great, and it gets even better when it's integrated with a CRM. So at that point, the request for reviews becomes automated and doesn't fall into a manual process with a small business service provider. We know that in a small business, things like technology sometimes are a challenge. just depends on the level of the service provider's uh, you know, aptitude for that. We know that asking customers to leave a review can be awkward for some. So we want to automate that process. So part of what Broadly does to make it easy is the, the onboarding process is simple. We ask you for a few pieces of information. We take the ball from there and run with it and get you set up. And then there's going to be a a time and a place where we sit down and onboard you with a phone call. You answer questions for us. We walk you through training and then we check back in with you at 30 days and again at 90 days and then again annually. Um, okay. That sounds great, but I think you dodged my question a little bit. There's a, there's gotta be a technology piece, right? A piece, a snippet, a JavaScript code grab that you have to install on their website. How is that done? How do you guys go about doing that? Yeah, um, I, I cannot answer that question for you in full. I apologize. I'm business development and I'm not on the technical side. So I don't know exactly how that process works. And I'd be afraid to say something incorrect at this point on that. Um, I did see in your website that you guys do offer some web design services. Is, is that correct? We do. So we know that with small businesses, not everybody has a website that is either current or sometimes they don't have one at all. They have a social media page or they haven't quite got that set up yet. So we offer websites. It's not our primary feature, but it's one that we know is relevant. So we offer that. It's at a very low cost. It's $99 per month. And then with the website service, it gives you some basic SEO. And it's a pretty clean looking website and gives you pretty good content for a very manageable price. Furthermore, whether you're using the Broadly website or whether you're, you have your own website and you're just tied into us with web chat, uh, we can stream your reviews right onto your right onto your web page. So think about how you're now providing current content for people like Google who are ranking you with local search. You're getting the best kind of keywords in there. People are talking about the things that are specific to your business. So you're using the right buzzwords for Google. You're building your local search. That combined with the reviews really helps you score high, whether it's through a map pack search or a local service ad search or just an organic search. So I think I just unpacked what could potentially be a big um, opportunity for our clients with Broadly. Because I get asked this question all the time. Hey, Joe, I need help. My website is meh. They use WordPress or something and, and they don't understand. Uh, they want to integrate with Service Monster better. Um, even It's troubling for them even to use the basic web forms we have, which is an iframe. 
anyways, I won't get too, too geeky on you, but um, I think there's a major opportunity for broadly, even if you saw it as an onboarding process, it seems to me that your website services, although not your primary offering, and it doesn't sound like you make a, bit, a good deal of money on that, it's set up in the right way, meaning that you're providing the technical service. You're not trying to sell the the um, lead acquisition through the website just because you were able to put some SEO and some um, HTML together. And then, obviously, for you guys, extending your services, that service to your current client base is, is wise. Um, but I think as a vector for our clients, they would be extremely interested in that, especially if you can do things like wire up stuff in Service Monster more effectively. And the dance between Broadly and Service Monster could be made more effective on the client. That would be a super smooth uh, goal. Um, but that would be done by Broadly web designers. Um, but we would be more than happy to work with them on our API and pipelines, which are extremely simple to use for webmasters. So um, I just see that as a big opportunity to then get them in the full Broadly package uh, and then a marriage between Broadly and Service Monster like that that we have. Michael, can you talk a little bit about the integration, what they see in the Service Monster side with Broadly? Um, I honestly don't know exactly. Do you know, Adam, what the integration does? So the main thing think, the integration yeah, Adam does, which, that on me. <laughs> which, right, uh, sorry, let's start. Let's start that over. Adam, yeah. Adam, can you there please tell us what the uh, integration between Broadly and Service Monster looks like? So the primary part of the integration, um, and, and Rich might you know be able to share on some of this as well. But the primary part is the review capture. So when you invoice something out, um, that's going to trigger events in Broadly right away, and so. Uh, That'll send them, I believe, if they set it up like they can receive a text message and um, it'll start kind of driving them to their preferred review site. So Google or Facebook or it's an API drip. It's an automated API drip for re uh, review, uh, review acquisition, essentially. Yeah, that's the primary purpose of the integration currently. Yep. Very cool. I'm sure we can get deeper on that, too, with lead capture and so forth. So um, especially with the integrations team, but. Yeah, at this point, I tell them, you know, I re seriously, I received two this week and I'm like, I got nothing for you. You know, most SEO marketer, web developer people don't approach it in a way that I think is um, morally built for the service provider. Uh, it's not price conscious in that way. And it's not charged from a technical front because the service providers don't know what to ask for from a technical perspective. So, so they end up with uh, websites from 1995. Is essentially what they do. They or they get some uh, WordPress uh, template and go from there. So a few of them have some decent stuff, or they get dived into technology, or they actually pay somebody to do it, or they have someone next door who you know likes to code in their basement or whatever. But um, not that you would want to see an influx of hundred dollar a month subscribers for a lot of work. <laughs> so that's up to you, Rich, how you want to tackle that approach. I'll give you a little anecdote from my, my background here. So I worked in home services for a long time, um, not the cleaning end of it, but I worked in uh, HVAC, just as an example, in my background. And I oversaw a network of contractors. And so we, we brought broadly to the table for them just to kind of introduce this review management system and customer journey experience enhancement. 
So what we found is of the users, and we try to make it as apples to apples as possible in our comparison, the Bradley users grew six times more than the other users. The other users grew single digits. The Bradley guys really grew exponentially. Because what they found was as they used Bradley more and more, it actually streamlined and lowered that cost of new customer acquisition I was talking about earlier. As they continue to use Bradley and build those reviews, they continue to rank higher and higher on the different Google platforms, which are the lowest cost platforms to use. I had some big contractors uh, in the small business world, relative to that when I say big, who had their own marketing agencies doing some SDO for them. And um, they also had some other marketing things in play. But time and time again, I heard feedback on how the simplicity of that review management platform and that customer journey experience being improved with the Broadly app is what helped them rank better locally and locally. That's what marketing agencies promise all the time. Some deliver better than others. I'm not you know, I'm here to, to talk about how good or... or oh, I am. Well, that, that's great. Freaking SEO <laughs> companies and lead generation companies by and large. Right. Not, yeah, not 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 doing right by the service providers. I will just put it that way. I yeah, and you know, I coming from a, a background where I had exposure to both, I agree. The broadly thing is very tangible. You see the results, you see your reviews build up, you see the customer experience get better, you see the tally on your web chat. And when you go to Google and you you ask Google, like, hey, how do reviews matter? It's their third-party information. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's Google's. That talks about the value of reviews and how it impacts the local search and how it impacts the map pack and things of that nature. So it's got a real tangible value here to help lawyer drive down your customer costs. Yeah, I mean, and everything is, even if we as a culture had some cohorts that were resistant to doing things online, and obviously the the gravity of the culture change has made that become less and less possible, but it still was there in large part, like a big ass anchor. And then COVID, which forced everybody online. Grandmas are getting on Zoom, baby, to go talk to their grandkids. Uh, and so they're finding that, that they have to put on their face before they go sit in front of a computer, which may seem weird to them. But at the same time, it's it's forcing this trend. And then as people use it, of course, more people, the demystification of it provides this lifting of fog of war. They see the value and then they spend more time online and they realize the importance of doing a handful of research before you bring somebody on. I mean, you're going to call Bob Cleaning and uh, not punch him into the Google box to see what comes up now is highly unlikely. And so you want to be there. You want the reviews to be there in whatever platform that they're comfortable with, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Google, whether it's and then coercing those uh, those actions to leave reviews in those places, that little tickle. It's the same thing that we do with Fill My Schedule with the reminder campaigns for cleaning recurrence via direct mail. It's, it, you know, and all of this stuff can be set up to work together. Um, to really create that long-term customer experience and increase your lead capture opportunity. So I think it's a, it's a big win um, to automate this type of process. Some of this stuff you could do with Service Monster using straight up drip campaigns and creating your own content and going through the rigmarole. But when a system is perf- purposely built for it, um, then there's a whole other level to that game. So if you're ready to move to that level, I would encourage you to take a look at Broadly. Rich, what else would you like to impart on us today? Well, what you don't want to be is the world's best and worst kept secret at the same time. 
you know, you don't want people not to be able to find you. I, I remember sitting down with a contractor once and, and doing a search right in front of him real time in his zip code, and he didn't show up anywhere. And he had five reviews to his name. The reviews make an impact. I have a Service Monster member. I don't know if I'm a, a allowed to name names here, but I have a Service Monster member who has been with Broadly 12 and a half months now. It started in June of, of uh, 2019. Their reviews were up 74%. They have 214 reviews now. So they increased that 74% just in one year's period of time. Their, their approval rate with consumers is 97.8. So they're doing great work. And it probably holds them accountable to make sure they keep pushing that to do great work because they know they're going to get feedback. They're integrated with you. So the, the prompt or the request for more feedback is automatic for them. It's very easy. They've captured 308 different leads. We call conversations on web chat leads. Even if that number is somehow off a little bit, it's 308. If it's off by 100, it's still 208. That's fantastic. And that came right in with the, the, the sunk investment of the Broadly uh, platform there. And then their local search impact, they're ranking everyone on Google Map Pack right now because they have more leads or more reviews, I should say, than everybody else on there. So when you combine geography with these reviews, it's a winning combination. Yeah, that's great. Can you kind of um, maybe just go a little bit more in depth on the review process overall? Like we know that they're firing off these these review requests, but what? How are you choosing the platform? How um, how are the the users setting it up? What are the best kind of contact scenarios? Do you guys have pre made campaigns? Do they kind of have a say in that? How does that whole process work? Yeah, that's a terrific point to bring up right there. There's a few different companies that do review management. But they don't do it quite like broadly in many cases. We make this very simple. We know that they're really the key to a good response rate is to automate the process and to re require as few steps as possible for the end user, right? So what we do is we drop you off right in your most used platform. We know through the magic of the technology that some of you probably know better than I do here that we know where you're logged in. So if you're a Google user, which by the way happens to be about 85% of the time by the statistics we run, it drops you off right in Google to leave a review. It takes you right to that spot. You jump right there. If you did not provide a great experience, uh, what it'll do is it, at a certain promoter score, if it's too low, we'll prompt a question to say, would you like to send us feedback on that? And that'll be an opportunity for them to send you a quick message to say, yeah, we didn't like it. They left the place some mess or they were late or whatever their issue might be with your company. So at that hey, point, Rich, you can- can I, can I throw a speed bump at you real quick? Yeah, um, this is something that we've been kind of talking about now for, I don't know, almost a decade. This this opportunity where you have an email where it says, if you're going to rank high, go left. If you're going to rank low, go right. But in the last few years, Google's thrown out this gating rule. How are you Correct. dealing with that? A very, very fair point to bring up. So what we do is when we get that prompt, right, when somebody isn't going to score as high by the way they make the initial response to it. And we give an opportunity to give us feedback first before it goes live, right on that same prompt, there's an opportunity for them to say, no, proceed to my review platform so that they can go right there. That satisfies Google's demand for the review gate. So what's going to happen in most cases, what we see by percentages is that most people will say, yeah, I'm gonna send some feedback here, it's right here. And it gets fired off to the owner of the company or the, the main point of contact. And then they have an opportunity to make it right. They have an opportunity to call that customer. Or if the customer just insists on leaving a bad review, you have an opportunity to respond to it. And you can mention on your response that you've had some contact with the customer already. It shows the rest of the world that even when you get a bad review, you care. You try to make it right. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Putting up that speed bump, giving them an opportunity to voice their opinion is going to significantly reduce the likelihood that they're going to then copy and paste that into or or not, but then proceed to the platform and paste that general opinion in there. Um, I can see how that could be effective because sometimes people just want to be heard uh, and maybe they'll give you an opportunity to take care of that. Um, no, so that's a that's a good. And then just to clear the point, right, you can't push information to these review platforms. So when you collect information from a user, if they are to then have to enter that information on the review platform, they're going to have to enter it again, which is why you really only are asking them to provide information if you feel they're going to rank the provider low. Do I have that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And that's very simple because it'll just give you the star ratings for you to fill in with a swipe with your finger and then mention a few words if you'd like. We you know, always encourage people to leave a few words if possible, but some just do the stars. Either way, you get credit for it on there and it goes towards the tally. Um, and then, okay, so that's captured by Broadly, that step. And then it sends them to their review platform, which they will then have to tap a star or a rating or, and then leave a potential message there as well. Correct. Yeah. Well, no, so I want to be clear. I'm sorry. I think we may, I may have confused you here a little bit. So we'll ask you, you know, what your experience was like. And then based on that answer, we will take you to Google to do that step right there. We don't make you do it twice. If you don't say that you had a favorable experience, then instead of sending you to Google, we do have a, a prompt there in the middle that jumps up and that's the one that says, give us a chance to make it right. Or you give us some more feedback on that. Yeah. And on that same screen is the option to go right to Google. If you really want to just leave scorched earth review about your small business. Sure. And how configurable is that? Let's call it the speed bump screen. Um, you know, can I, can we say literally, Hey, can we make this right? Or can you contact us to, you know what I mean? You, you can put that empathetic message in there saying, Please, if you feel like you need to continue to leave the review on Google, but we would love an opportunity to work with you on this. Yeah, the question is standard now. I do believe, and I don't have 100% certainty here, that that can be tailored to what you, what you wanted to say. I know that, for instance, on your web chat feature, you can customize that opening sentence where you initiate a communication with somebody. Sure. You want you even put your image on there, your logo sure. on there. The little okay. box that pop up is very customizable. We want this to be about your company. We don't brand it with Broadly. We have people in our category that put their logo on there. We don't do that. The, the benefits of the, the SEO you get from review streaming, for instance, to your website goes to you, the small business. It does not go to Broadly. And we have That's others right. in the category that actually take credit for that. And That's that right. The credit. So, totally. So we're really almost something of a white label to the small business. It's their business. They're the brand. That's great. Yeah. And, and you're right. Not a lot of other, um, it's hard to say lead generation, we'll call them review generation. And then all the services that wrap around that uh, life cycle of a client. Um, you're right. They're, they're not created equal and they do put themselves in between. They make themselves the hero of the journey uh, uh, instead of making the service provider the hero of the journey. That's right. Right. I'd almost call it a communication platform because even the reviews is feedback, right? It's still sure. communication between the customers. So it's almost a, a comprehensive communication platform that really, when executed to its fullest, is going to help drive down the, the cost of new customers for you as a lead generation source. Absolutely. Very good. Uh, Adam, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? Oh, I think Rich was saying something there. 
Yeah, what's up, Rich? Yeah, provide a point of clarity. So we'll drop you off right in Google if you want to you know, leave that good review for someone. We'll drop you off right in Facebook if that's what you want to do. If your preference is Yelp, then we drop you off at the front door of Yelp. I just want to make that really clear. Yelp has their own proprietary world of reviews that they like to manage. So we can drop you off at the front door where you log in, but we won't drop you off inside. Have you found, maybe it's regional based or otherwise, and um, but have you found that some platforms like is, is, is Google King in the service industry or is it really kind of regional based or so on based on your guys' analytics, yeah. I guess? By the numbers, they are the king. So uh, it ranks in the mid 80s for us is where most of our reviews go. Um, Facebook picks up most of the rest. There's a, a single digit portion that will, a smaller single digit portion that will be at Yelp. And then there's this kind of fourth kind of nebulous, if you will. What if they're not logged into something at all? Where does it go? Broadly captures that lead. And then if you do review streaming, it'll still show up on your website. We only show, by the way, the four and five star reviews on your site for web streaming. We don't have ReviewGate or Google uh, rules of engagement or protocol to follow there. If it's on your website, we will only go with the four and five star. We don't want to make anyone, you know, somehow damage their reputation online on their own website, of course. And and just a uh, point of clarity on that data point, even Service Monster users are somewhere in the 84% Google Chrome. And if you, as far as a web browser go, and if you're going to use Chrome, you're almost going to have to create the, Google account, uh, in which case then you can be tagged. It, they're doing the best they can, but they may not know that their favorite review site, even though they have a Google account and they're using Chrome under that Google account is indeed Facebook because that's where they leave all their reviews. It would be hard to, to dictate that. So they, you're going to make the best guess you can given the data that you have but you can't reach into someone's mind and really figure out where they go to talk about stuff. Like Reddit could be the biggest place they go to leave reviews, but we wouldn't have any way to really know that. So um, just, just to be clear there. So the data point that he's citing is, yeah, you might get a hit 85% of the time on your first look, which is do they have a Google profile, which means leave them, but they may never leave reviews on Google. And so that, um, that data point might be skewed. I would rather see it from the other direction, like where people are leaving reviews and what the quantities of those are. Cause I think it's, you know, it's probably pretty comparable. Like anyway, uh, it's very interesting stuff, but we do the best we can with the tech in order to automate this whole thing for you. So broadly it's doing the same thing. It's, it's just about what we can do with the data that we have. Michael, did you have any questions for uh, rich? No, he actually covered everything really well. Excellent. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for your, uh, would you like to provide a little bit more there? Felt like you had a Last thing I would say, you know, I think Broadly is a a fantastic platform. Yeah, I work at Broadly, but I would say, and I worked with a lot of small business contractors before, whether you work with Broadly or not, it's pretty critical that you manage this part of your communication with the world online. Now, of course, I want you to use Broadly, but really, even if it's not Broadly, do something. That's just good advice that is hokey as it sounds and make me sleep better at night so that people do that because there's small business owner is all in. Usually, it's you got family people in that business. You're really committed. This is something that's really important. Now, with Broadly, we give you a lot of nice features, 
And if you're on the app, you get a, a dashboard that gives you all the metrics too. You can measure how your team's doing with using it. You can measure how you're doing. It just makes it really simple. You can look at your Facebook ones versus your Google ones versus your, your Yelp ones. It's a very nice, easy to use platform. So, but whether it's probably or not, folks, you got to do it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I've been running around, was it last nine months saying the best CRM is the one you use? That's that's the best CRM. And so uh, same thing with something like this. You know, we've been talking about client side, um, client retention automation for 17 years. And uh, now this automating as much of this part of the business as you can, lead acquisition, review, gathering, referrals. It's all about the ask too. It's not about the give. That's what our data always showed. So yeah, I would definitely encourage to have a look if you haven't seen it already available in the Service Monster Marketplace. Rich, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Rich. Awesome. Hey, you know, before you take off, um, we can cut this if, if we need to. It just, um, that last point you made, Rich, kind of made me think of something as far as the dashboard goes. Do you guys have something set up that makes it easy for the owner to potentially, you know, pull that data out for, you know, bonuses or commissions or things like that based on quality or poor reviews? Absolutely, yeah. So inside of that, they can use our communication to, to chat internally and they can use it to, to chat with customers externally. But nonetheless, however they're using it, everything's measured on there. It's a very simple to use dashboard. We're not trying to make it a labyrinth where you have to figure out where to go. It's, it's very intuitive and user-friendly. And when you click on there, you can, like I said, sort them. You can pick the time period you want to look at your reviews. You can sort which category or which uh, review platform it came from. You can look at other um, web chat information. All of the different services Bradley has, everything's measured on there in a very simple to use format where they can download it, they can share it, they can definitely use it for incentives for their customers or for their uh, their employees for sure. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. awesome. Good question, Adam. Yeah, that was. Cool. All right. Very good. All right, Rich, feel free to drop out. We're going to uh, just kind of carry on with the rest of the show, as it were. But we do uh, appreciate your assistance here. Drop yeah, thanks so much, Rich. All right. Hope, hope, hope you had a good time, Rich. I did. Thanks for joining Thank us. Good questions. See you guys. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you so much to Rich from Broadly. Um, now let's dive into the rest of the show. What do we got, Adam? Yeah, so we'll kind of start off with the biggest service monster news. Like Joe mentioned at the top, release 6.5.1 is out. And there are a handful of things um, that, I shouldn't even say a handful, it's actually a pretty major release. We have everything itemized on the release notes. And I want to just draw attention to that really quickly. If you guys aren't clicking that link, I highly recommend just so you kind of know what's up to date. I don't know how many times I've heard, you know, six months down the road. I didn't know you had that. That's super cool. And we've been really trying to improve our communication to you so that you guys kind of know when there's something new. That's why we have the what's new and dashboard. It's, it's not to show us off or anything like that. It's really just to get you guys in, in the know. Um, you know, it's not just because we love hearing the sound of our own voices on, on the podcast here. It's so that we can you know, provide value and show you guys what's happening within service sponsors. So everything is listed there on the blog, including dates of when the hot fixes are, because after the initial release, we have had hot fixes, not quite every day, but within every 48 hours, we've had at least a hot fix trying to make sure things are, are polished and tightened up. And without going too deep into it, one of the big 
reasons that we've pushed so hard on this release is that it allows us to capture any errors or kind of back-end processes that we need to improve that Joe has been monitoring like a hawk, you know, up until the the wee hours of, of the night. I haven't like, slept in a week. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just sits there in front of his dashboards and finds out, you know, what's going on. And so we're really dialing this in for you guys. That's what we want. So you guys have a smooth experience. We've we've talked about the performance improvements and so on ad nauseum through the past few podcasts. We explained it on the release notes. So I'll kind of skip through that a little bit. And then what I kind of want to do here, Joe, and I'll, I'll be brief so that anyone who's listening on the uh, the podcast element versus the YouTube. I was going to um, point that out. We, we're going to do a quick little screen share. I'm just going to show you like five or six of the things really quickly. Uh, we won't spend too much time on this, but I just kind of want to explain to you guys what's new, right? So I'll kind of, I'll, I'll kind of start let's this. Let's try and- this. Let's, let's try this. Okay. I'll be like sports announcer and narrate your mouse movements. And then you can be the uh, orator of what you're trying to communicate. <laughs> Are we going <laughs> to talk over each other if we do that? I mean, just... only if you do. <laughs> when your mouse stops, I stop talking. All right. So what I'll do is I'll kind of say what we're going to be showing. And then Joe, Joe will be the play by play guy, like going through. So. All right, let's try this. We're making this up on the fly. Here we for go. You podcast people. All right. So we're looking at the home screen of service monster. And, and Adam is show, no. Yeah. We want to show, but I'll let you do your part here is the change to a default account type. So let's kind of walk through this change to a default account type. So I'm going to settings. And in settings, I choose company info. And in the company info screen, there's a setting. Default account type, prospect or customer. So now if you open the quick ad, you have customer and prospect as customer type. And if you don't select anything, it defaults and it will default to what you told it to in the settings. Yeah, this was a big item that we heard from a lot of especially, especially, there's no X in that word, um, especially from (laughs) exterior cleaners uh, so that they could have that kind of pre-sale process. They hated having to, it's just without one extra click, but you know, you do it 10, 20, 30 times a day and gets old. So allowing you to have kind of that default account type. This next one, um, I think we'll be better at this one now. I think we're getting it. Okay. So this next one is tied to what is currently in a beta state, um, even though Joe wishes it was not, um, and client caching. So let's talk about this. Yeah, so this will make your uh, performance faster. It's a go faster button, but it's on the your side. So we're going to go to the help main menu in the upper right-hand corner of the application. And we're going to click contact us because we hit this button. And in the lower right-hand corner, there's a, a, a switch that says performance boost. Also says beta version because it's beta version. So if there's any weirdness, turn that shit off. Okay, once you set it, you can click close. And then from that point forward, you should be, you might want to refresh, I don't know, but you should be in super cash client side. So you'll just notice a performance increase and it shouldn't have any adverse effects. And if there's adverse effects, uh, turn it off and then uh, send us something either on Smug 
or uh, send an email to support and let them know the behavior. Make sure you can reproduce it. That's always helpful. But uh, that will increase performance on your side. It's something that we're going to turn on by default here very, very shortly because there's no reason not to. Eric is just take, or, um, Adam is just taking a very cautious approach to make sure that I'm not driving everybody crazy at Service Monster. So I can't argue with that yet. Yeah, it's yeah. really just because client caching affects the entire app. And um, we won't go into too many specifics because, frankly, there's a lot going on there. Um, but yeah, like Joe said, it's going to improve the performance. So if you guys turn that on, especially if you're someone who's maybe afflicted by poor performance for whatever reason, um, and you, you come into something weird, hit us up, like Joe said, on Smug or email us at support. If you're super sluggish, which, by the way, my logs are showing that people are moving fairly well through the application. I still have room. There's things that we can grab, and we're going to talk about that maybe. But um, at the end of the day, things are things are humming. Our P99, which is 99% of our requests, are happening under 100 milliseconds, which is insane. So um, now, obviously, if you have some performance issues, when you turn that button on, what you're going to experience might be the first time you come into a screen, it might take a second to load. And then from that point forward, it will be dang near instantaneous until a certain time you save something, you do something, you close out an order and come back to the account screen. It will then reload. Um, so it keeps the data fresh, but at the same time, it holds on to it a little longer so it doesn't go back to the server to ask about information that it already has that hasn't changed so the weirdness that you might see is oh i saved it over here but when i look at the same thing over here my changes aren't reflective until after i hit refresh that would be the weirdness that we're talking about so yeah so the next three items all kind of tie into the, the schedule so let's start first with your dashboard let's kind of talk about what we did there joe so very good all right so adam's navigating now to the schedule main menu and we're then going to the schedule itself and then we're gonna open up our route so if you click at the route header if you don't know we'll open up a detail dialogue that allow you to edit some of the information on that route um, and we're going to take a look at the service route checkbox so we've gotten a lot of questions on this guy and all that's really meant to do is affect the dashboard in your scheduling home screen the appointment bookings dashboard and so if you have routes that are showing up that are caught because you're like, man, I have a route that's just me and we only use that to send me out on things. And yet it's wreaking havoc on the calculations of my money making routes. So that's that's how you can think about it. A service route checkbox says this is a money making route and I want it part of my appointment bookings. If you uncheck it, it says this is not a money making route by and large. Uh, so don't include it in the appointment bookings dashboard. That's it. We just threw that in there because people were asking because they had routes that really shouldn't have been in there. Absolutely. These next couple, I think it would be better if I did a joke because I'm not sure if you're 100% aware of the changes. The <laughs> There's all kinds stuff. of things in Service Monster <laughs> I find myself unaware of. <laughs> so I'm going to navigate back to the schedule here. And bear in mind, I'm on the newest schedule, so Schedule 2.0 um, for anyone who maybe can't see 
And this has been asked pretty heavily is if you have a, an appointment selected, so over here on this little sidebar section, and you have the expanded um, appointment, you can now create notes directly from here. You don't have to open up the you know, appointment modal or appointment window um, to make notes. So I could make a, you know, a technician note here. I could type in, you know, testing notes, and then it won't save until I hit this little you know, check mark. And I can also do the same thing. I can clear the whole note if I wanted to. It has a little warning pop up. But you can make both technician notes and, and, and admin notes directly from the sidebar now. And so that's one of the newer features. Brilliant. The next one is actually a longtime feature from SM5 users that has been requested numerous times that we implemented and then immediately got feedback from you guys. So we added it as a setting. So I think it's easiest if I am, while still on the schedule here, I'm going to navigate to what the settings button up top. And there are two things kind of going on here. One is we added what's called the small dispatch radius zone. Um, the, the way the calculation works is it's 5% of whatever your max driving range is. Remember max driving range, if you guys haven't set that up, please, by all means, set that up. It's going to make your, your schedule that much more impactful. Um, but it's the farthest you go one direction, right? So most of our users are somewhere between the 30 and probably 60 mile mark. There are some who definitely have huge zones, you know, split between cities and such, but um, it's 5% of that. So even if you're at a hundred mile, um, you know, max driving range, the, it's still only be a five minute or five mile kind of inner radius. And what this means is it's just going to show any appointment that's right next to your dispatch location. So you can hypothetically send that with any appointment if you so needed to or wanted to. Because um, it's not going to take that much time out of the, the driver's way. Now, we made it a setting, like I mentioned, because some of you guys just preferred to have, you know, if you're two feet north of the dispatch location, you just want it to show whatever the north color is. And that's fine. So we added this little toggle here. You just can turn it on or off and hit save, depending on what you want. And for anyone who's watching on YouTube, just a quick visual. If I go down here to the colors tab. This is what I'm talking about. This little inner circle is basically what we're talking about. So it'll show up as a gray color if it happens to fall in that and you have the setting turned on. Awesome. And last but not least, this one will be very quick. You can navigate to any of our grids. And while I do this, Joe, why don't you kind of explain what we mean by grids? Yeah, so the grids are lists of any items. So the account list, the order list, uh, you see those lists through a technology we call grids. And a grids allow us to lay out that data in a very clear way and also gives you all kinds of advanced power. You can search on them, you can use different views, you can filter on them, and you can sort, of course. Uh, you can also change grid columns and where they're located. And in the advanced mode, you can filter on individual grids. So that's grids. So what do we add to that, Adam? So a couple just really nice kind of UX improvements. Um, the first one is if you turn on these advanced options and for anyone who's not aware on any grid, we call this a little hamburger menu, but this little button on the upper right hand portion of the grids, um, these little three horizontal lines. If you click that, you can turn on advanced options um, on the grids. And what that allows you to do is filter directly on the grids. Um, you can add or remove columns, just a bunch of just really cool kind of advanced features. 
And what we, first thing we did was if you turn that on, we made it stick. So if you're someone who likes to use the advanced options a lot, we were getting a ton of feedback that they hated turning it on every single time. So whatever you choose here, that'll stick as you move through the app. So you can add or remove columns, you can see the filters and so forth. The other kind of cool little um, change is any of you guys who might use Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets will recognize this right away. We made it so that if you're hovering between the column headers here and you see like maybe something just isn't showing or the column isn't wide enough, you can just uh, double click that now and it'll auto fit. So no longer do you have to do kind of this little nice. of, of going through here. You can just get all the columns exactly how you want. Whoops. Um, just like that. And it, it'll remember that. So. Now keep in and mind that, that that width of that position would be calculated based off the data that's present in the list. And so you may go to page seven and have a name that's longer. and may need to go through that exercise again to get it to that width. So just be aware, it doesn't go through your whole database, find your longest name in your entire database and then base it off that. Sometimes that will take up half your screen. So, but we give you a, a reasonable estimate and certainly make everything that's in the list visible at that moment. Very good point. And the last thing is the records per page. Um, whatever you set here, whether it be 50, auto, 20, you know, whatever the setting is, that's now a user setting. So it'll remember that. Um, and as you move forward, if you select 50, you're not, you don't have to constantly keep updating that as you work throughout the day. So awesome. Like said, More sticky. Yep. So yep. there are a ton of other items. Like I said, they're on the release notes. We don't have time to go through all of them. I just wanted to kind of take that little time there and this little experiment. And so we'll, uh, we'll hop off the screen share, come back to our smiling faces <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Very good. Um, uh, outside of that, we have a mobile release that's upcoming. Um, we don't have a set date, but we're looking at next week. So right around the time this podcast comes out is what our current goal is. Um, could be, you know, up or down a couple of days. We'll find out more as the QA process goes through. But there are a ton of small UI UX improvements. Um, it went fast. It, it went like Ethan blew through some of the stuff we thought would be very challenging. Uh, and so... And now it's being tested. I'm very excited for this release out of nowhere. And uh, next week is just going to be great. And there's one really kind of like, I want you guys to be chomping at the bits, hopefully for this feature is the multi-route view. So if you're on a day view now on the mobile app, you can actually select multiple technicians, multiple routes, I should say, not technicians, multiple routes, and see them all kind of laid out, essentially like the week view sort of is, right? Where they're all their own column but you can compare you know, each day. So you, you can kind of take this from a high level. So you can start at the month view, see which days are relatively you know, unscheduled, jump into that, and then immediately see each route, um, what their availability is, where they're going, and so forth. So it's going to make scheduling on the fly on the mobile app a much smoother experience. So, And it will be the first release with no known bugs, right? There, Isn't that true? There are likely a couple of um, smaller bugs that we need to retest. Um, they're fairly old and they were very specific to a certain uh, platform. So Greg still needs to retest those. But yes, um, essentially, yes. And so it also introduces some of the uh, performance monitoring that we put into this latest version of 6. And so it will immediately uh, let us know if there's issues and problems and give us. It's already been a big win. Greg had an intermittent issue 
that Ethan was able to dig the logs on and figure out what's going on and put some safeguards in place to see if we can prevent it. So it's good stuff. Yep. And all of that's put in place because we want to be catching more of these obviously before they get to you guys. So that's, that's the, we want the app to be as polished and as smooth experience for you guys as possible. Yeah. Both the app and the desktop, which is, I guess, um, good segue into how I want to close service monster updates is, um, we've worked very hard over the last six months on focusing on the user experience. We focused really hard in the last 18 months on simplifying and streamlining as much as possible the user interface. Um, and now over the last four months, we've been working really hard on not only improving the performance, but implementing some really rigorous data metrics that allow us to produce a zero error service monster, not to be confused with zero bugs um, because unexpected behavior is not an error, but it is a bug. So we'll obviously continue to work on those um, as we understand how you guys are using the app, but we are very dedicated to making it buttery smooth and fast for everybody. Um, including our 21 friends who we're tracking, who I got to say, you know, from our perspective, the calls that they're making are significantly faster. Um, are they as fast as everyone else? No. So we still have room. And But what I love is these outline. and I'm sorry, I don't mean to say your friction is my joy, <laughs> but rather the data that you generate um, gives us this outlier information that allows us to make the experience better for everybody. So thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, and uh, things will be addressed shortly. <laughs> Please stand by. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited by that. Um, this release was probably way bigger internally and directly related to performance than anything else. So there is a nice laundry list that Adam was able to get in while I was just slaving away, just annihilating this and and putting in these breadcrumbs so we can figure out what the heck's going on when things get weird the point zero, I think we're at point zero four percent of the time. So that's where we're at right now. Anyway, look for more good things over this next uh, two or three months. Now with this data, we'll be able to really hone it down. Uh, plus I put some technology in place this last release that we can start leveraging more of um, and, and do it safely. So it's good stuff, man. I mean, hell, just the re just the hot fix we did today was um, David's work as a dire direct result of some of the things that I was finding that we could improve the performance on with just a little little change in the code and how we do things. So that's what we're looking at right now. Yep. So the only other thing that I'll tease really quickly is very, very shortly, um, there will be a new version of the help site. So uh, wanted to kind of tease that so you guys aren't uh, too shocked. We do want that kind of shock and awe. We want that like, oh, this is nice. Um, <laughs> something that... Uh, You're going to put it in the what's new, right, Michael? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, so I won't go into too many details. You guys should be able to kind of see the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. But it should be a much shorter yep. experience for you guys finding the help that you need. So Yeah, we're excited. Yep. with that we can kind of leave i think everything else for a future podcast so let's kind of segue into you already hyped it up a little bit 
the entree joe post i think there's gonna be some good discussion um coming from this one so it's a little bit wordy because we all know that joe's a little bit wordy but uh uh me (laughs) (laughs) um i have the best words the best (laughs) words absolutely so here we go too many warriors and not enough kings as a business owner, you'll often need to be both. Sometimes a warrior is required, like when you're just getting started. But you'll get stuck there if you don't evolve. A warrior is hungry, aggressive, and takes no prisoners. They make their own path, they hustle, and turn someone else's excuses into opportunity. He's all about the kill. Kings are established. They build loyalty and culture. They have empathy and vision. They care for others as they build a kingdom with the right systems in place to grow an empire. A warrior fights for success. The king fights for the good of the entire kingdom. Don't get stuck in your own pig-headedness such that you wind up a warrior forever. Entree That's Joe. pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Let's kind of explain that, that mantra, especially pertinent in you know the cleaning services uh, industries with so many owner-operators. So, Warrior versus king. So um, I don't know how much you can mindset or short circuit this one. This might just be about your own personal journey in maturity. Um, in business, in life, in everything, when you're first getting started, when you're in your teens and your twenties, even in your thirties, you have this like aggressive, get it done don't make excuses attitude which is awesome you can't be an entrepreneur without that you can't succeed in a lot of things without that that dogged determinedness and that um that feeling that you can get quickly when you imagine things in your way that you want to annihilate obliterate eviscerate like whatever you want to say word you use that conjures that feeling of aggression that allows you just to tear it all apart. Like I get it. That's a very single individualized, personalized point of view. And that will help you win at first. But that very same thing, that warrior mentality will be the thing that undoes you as you try to grow your business where you try to transfer into that king where you're responsible for a greater number of people and now governance is something that you don't buck up against instead you learn how to deal with you learn what the history was you learn how to lead and that transition is not only tough for most people they don't understand it's a journey They don't understand it's something that they need to do and they'll burn through employees. Uh, They may succeed for a while in business and then burn out. Um, Their relationships with themselves or their spouses might not be what they can be because they're not working on themselves and evolving into that next step. You have to have a warrior in you to be king. That's for sure. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you need to pull the battle axe off the wall. Um, but for the most part, you want to be more concerned about the health and well-being of the kingdom. Because the kingdom is what's going to support you. And if you've done it right, 
and you've built it up, you can continue to grow it till at which point you're doing fuck all like whatever the like, you know, the, the king that then you can be the happy king in the corner drinking and having a merry old time. Um, but that's that's really what I'm looking at. <clears throat> and in the face of our current situation, there's a lot to be said for that, too. The, the people who are um, very bucking the system, um, it's a very warrior mentality, right? Um, again, needed. You need it to kill things. You need it to, to win. You need to put food on the table. You need it to um, protect, defend. Uh, you need it to serve justice, deliver justice. You need it to, you know, there's so many things you need it to, but not every problem is a nail. So you don't always have to be the hammer. And if you're simply a hammer, here's the here's the best part to the people who never recognize their journey or don't care, have no interest in being king. Awesome. Lots of people don't have that ambition. And so if you're like, I'm just going to stick to whatever me is me and I'm going to do me and I'm going to support me and and that's all I care about, then you can stay a warrior forever. Cool. Like we need those people too. Um, but if you want to grow, you've got to accept this. The problem though with staying a warrior forever and not really understanding governance is that you can then easily be a tool in someone else's toolbox. You can easily be that hammer and you can be, be wielded in such a way that goes against really what you believe and you're not really sure what you're fighting for. So um, that's kind of wrapping that up. That's kind of what I mean by that. And it's very important if you want to build a growing business to, to fully understand that. And then if you want to ever be the best version of yourself, you don't wait till you're 55 or 60 to learn that lesson. You start digging your heels on and on that now. Yeah, I think this ties in really well with something you've talked to me about um, a few times. It's something that I struggle with sometimes, too, and I know that you've struggled. So this is probably a good piece of advice maybe you can share is realizing you don't have to do everything yourself or that, um, you know, the, in the hiring process, you're, this is what you kind of mean by that culture and so forth, is getting people on that through your training or, or through their experience or whatever – you can let some of these things go so you can focus on the bigger picture. So if you're an owner operator or someone who's kind of starting that, um, how would you kind of phrase that advice of maybe one or two things that they can sort of let go and, and uh, not have to be the guy for every single problem? That's a, there's a long, there's a long journey in there and conversation around that too. Um, so I don't know how deep we want to go now having already done that, but, um, you're going to have to give some of that stuff up, right? And then you're, you're going to want to do it in a way that protects the brand. So you have this dichotomy. These two things are kind of mutually exclusive. You want to scale or grow. You want to put people in place, but you want to protect the brand. You need to give up control, but you need to maintain control. You need to create system of accountability, yet be empathetic and sympathetic to change in people and their, uh, their complex issues of themselves. How do you do all that? How do you balance all that? Uh, you do it. You walk the path. You figure it out. 
and uh, you figure it out as you go. And, and, you know, people who have done it can, we can talk all day long about our experience or maybe even the experience of other people that we've talked to. Um, but it's one piece at a time. It comes with SOPs and level of documentation and building a system. It comes with uh, acting like a million dollar company on day one. You don't wait till your $800,000 company to act like a million dollar company. You do it on day, you know, day one and your $10,000 company. Um, and, and you start looking at ways that you can systematize the whole process in such a way where it's easy to bring people on and train and make sure that they're doing a good enough job where that accountability is held in place and you're protecting your brand but it's all on you. Like setting up that system is important because if you don't set the system up right, you're not going to get any of that. You won't get brand consistency. You won't get techs who care. You won't get office staff who do things in the way that they need to be done. You'll have customers that don't, and then you'll have failure to service and your reputation will take the hit and you'll be like, screw it. I can't deal with it anyway. So it leads into that kingdom, right? Are you building that kingdom? Um, are you willing to give up your ego and the things that you control that you know make your brand what it is. Um, and the answer to that is if you're not comfortable with that, then you may not have the proper training mechanisms in place to make sure people get it so that they can come in and do the job they need to do and make sure your brand's protected. Very cool. Thank you for, uh, for diving into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now we're, I mean, we're definitely coming up on the the hour mark and beyond. So we'll jump right into a couple of smug posts. There were some interesting ones uh, over the last couple of weeks here. We'll start with a big post that garnered a ton of feedback and conversation. Um, and this is, these are the kind of posts that we love to see in smug because they're not always centered around service sponsor, right? That it's a business owner who is asking for help on a specific process. And, Eric has had some customers who essentially are never promised a, a piece of work. Um, an example would be maybe cleaning the bathroom um, and it's not listed on the estimate. It's not listed on the work order or the invoice, but the client themselves thinks that they were paying for that. And so how to protect yourself against clients who are essentially, you know, fighting you on your word, so to speak. And so, he asked for kind of some feedback on what other users are doing, how to protect themselves, how to deal with them. And we we could spend probably 30 minutes on this post alone because there's so many comments to it. But um, some of the, the heavy hitters, one person mentioned that they actually record all their phone calls. So if you have a system, phone system in place, you can record the phone calls. So if there's anything that's not on paper, then you have that to fall back on as well. So that's kind of one way to protect yourself. Um, we also talk about order approvals through Service Monster now. When you have that estimate, um, you can send that to be approved very specifically and snapshot that information um, for the user so they can see what is being done. They initial it and approve, right? So pretty hard to go against that. On top of that, you should always be sending them a copy. Um, if you're doing an estimate process, especially, uh, you want to send them a copy regardless of that. Whether they read the email or not, you want to send that to them as a snapshot, right? So they haven't approved anything necessarily as hard-coded as the approval process, but they still have that timestamp of the email and what the 
PDF of the order form is. Um, there's also advice as far as the pre-sale walkthrough and pointing out very specifically what you're doing. It might seem obvious when you're looking at the, you know, the work order, like, hey, these are the five rooms that we're doing, but it's not always. And one thing you can utilize are what we call service items. We've talked about them at length on the podcast. If you have questions or reach out to support, we can definitely point you in the right direction on how to get help on that. But service items and tying them to rooms are a very easy way to make sure something hasn't been overlooked. Because if you're doing your walkthrough and you notice, you know, hey, we're not cleaning the bathrooms. It's a pretty easy, you know, upsell kind of technique. Do you want us to clean the bathrooms, right? Kind of increase your invoice and solve the problem at the same time. So those are just a few of the many kind of options that they that they gave and I thought it was kind of an important thing to mention. Last but not least, in the instance where you're just dealing with, you know, a rough customer, it's okay to fire, you know, customers from time to time. Sometimes you're going to have someone that's not worth the uh the effort. And if you do that, we have set up the alert system on the account notes or the account memo so that you can write a note like, "Hey, don't do work for this person. Like they're fired. Do not delete the account." Right? You can mark them inactive. Make a note, make an alert. But it's like if you're dealing with an ex and you delete their phone number, um, they ever call you in the future, you're not really going to know, are you, until you answer, and then you're stuck. So you don't want to be pulled up to someone's house, realize it's for someone that you didn't want to do work for. Um, it's much better to just say, hey, here's the note, here's the warning. It's going to flash up big and yellow. Don't do work for this person. Mark them inactive and move on. So. That's hilarious. That scenario would have never occurred to me because I am Gen X. And so I was dating in the early nineties. And so, and so we memorized our significant other's number and we didn't have, so we, it just rang and we picked it up because we didn't know who was calling anyway. Aside from that, we had to know the number. uh, And my wife and I have been together now for like 25 years. So that's freaking hilarious. That, yeah. I'm so old. Holy cats. And I'm a grandpa now. That's un- unbelievable. Anyway. That's pretty crazy. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> yeah. Speaking I, of which. I got what you meant, yeah. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Not only do you guys get some, some service provider advice, you get some life advice there. Just mark there an X and hey, don't answer. Don't there you answer. Go. <laughs> Um, moving on to the next one, we have um, a question from Robin. They were asking about handling account notifications and, you know, they love the system. They love what it does, but they have, you know, six or seven clients who get almost daily work, right? So you're talking 30 to 40 jobs, um, or appointments a month and they don't want to necessarily send them notifications. They know that they're going to be there every day. So how do they best handle this? And so, I kind of explained to them that there are a few ways you can handle this process. Um, the main one being is if you guys are not aware, when you're on the quick ad, when you go to the uh, notifications tab or the uh, confirmation tab, there is a little section in the upper right that actually says appointment reminders. And it just has a little checkbox. Well, if you turn on automatic appointment reminders, all it's doing is automatically you know, checking that. So if you are creating an appointment and you don't want that to happen, just uncheck it or vice versa. If the volume is skewed the other direction, you can just set a manual appointment reminder process. And if you're going through the quick ad each time, just click that for the appointments that you want to actually receive a notification. So 
that's kind of step one is just knowing you can easily toggle that in the quick add process. The second thing is that there's a very easy way, just a time saver of modifying already existing kind of notifications, and that's directly on your schedule. So some of you might not be aware that there's right-click functionality on both the schedule itself and on the appointment card. And if you right-click the appointment card, one of the options there is jumping right to the notifications. So if there's someone you know you don't want to receive a notification for, boom, right-click, jump to it. Five seconds later, you've you know either added or removed, depending on what you're doing. So Michael, how do I right-click on a Mac in Safari? Um, you just press Command-click. There you go. You should be using Chrome, though, not Safari. Just saying. <laughs> Chrome's better. Chrome works better. It's, But it's still Command-click. Yes. Yep, yep, it's on Mac. Yep. Sorry, I forget sometimes people have this weird one-button mouse thing. That's I don't know why um, Apple did that, but it's what they did. So. <laughs> it works. Get used to it. Anyways, it's a very good point, Joe. Thanks for bringing that up. That is. so. Uh, the next question came from Kim, and I'm only going to mention it here because this is a big reason why we showcase this in the uh, show-and-tell version of the screen share here. But we had a couple people, um, Kim was one of them, immediately after 651, asked what this edit service route meant. So we already showed that earlier. It's to remove it from that dashboard. But I uh, just want to thank you guys for giving that feedback immediately and letting us know yeah. that's something we definitely need to get some extra help on. So Sometimes naming things is hard or we approach it the wrong way. Like we already have a better approach to that, that whole system, which is going to take us a minute to put it in the way that we need to. Uh, especially if we make more of these dashboards configurable. Hmm. Lastly, can I um, chime in real quick, Adam? Can I correct myself? Absolutely. I was, I was wrong. It's not command click. It's control click. Wow. Control click for Mac, Mac users. I am sorry. Look I at real time. The Mac, so like, real time fact checking here on the uh, Service Monster show. So I was like, I was like, I was like, command click. I'm like, wait, is it? But I realized. Depends on the Mac you're on. On mine, I, it's just two fingers pressing on the trackpad, actually. So one one click is a normal click. Two clicks, like two clicking with two fingers is like right clicking, which is really nice. But you can also do a control click if you don't have like a newer Mac with a nice trackpad. Or two fingers. So, or two fingers. If you only have one finger, then you got to use, I don't know what you're going to do the other control with, maybe the other hand, I guess. But yeah. Just to clarify for Mac, the, the few Mac users out there, I did not mean to steer you wrong. I apologize. Okay, so, so just to clarify, we got control click if you're using a mouse or the two-pronged approach if you're using a trackpad. Yeah. All right. Um, the, the, the final question here, um, I think it's important that this gets brought up from time to time because you know, owner-operators transitioning to business owners with employees are always going to struggle with this. It's most likely never an easy process. Um, Eric had brought up this where he had to either let someone go or they were fired or they quit on their own power or so forth. And he, he said, is my heart turning to stone? Because it seems to be getting easier when this happens, when they walk away for whatever reason. And he said, it's happened today and I'm still calling this a good day. And Joe, you kind of gone through a couple of things. Um, I know it's always a fine line to kind of walk through that, but just kind of explain what you told Eric and kind of how that uh, how that process maybe does get easier over time, but what the end goal is for the company. Yeah, I have no idea what I told Eric, so I'll just 
go off the cuff uh, this time. And it probably lines up. Maybe it should line up. It certainly won't contradict it. I would think. Um, so yeah, you know, and and I, and I say hire slow, fire fast and build a culture. And, uh, what does that mean? Um, there's a book from good to great, uh, great book. You should read it in there. They talk about getting the right people on the bus is more important as a first exercise and then putting them in the right seats. Sometimes you'll hire somebody and, and they'll be doing one job, but they'll be much better suited for another job, another position in the company, helping the company and helping themselves uh, on their career path as well. So I guess what I would say is um, it does get easier for, I believe, a couple reasons. One is humans find things that we do or encounter a lot easier just by nature. So that's A. Um, that helps come with the realization that the job that they have working for you isn't as important as it, as it is to you being an owner of the company and somebody's put blood, sweat and tears into trying to make a legitimate, strong company go. Um, and we shouldn't ask that of them that, uh, that if we can get somebody to 80%, like we've said before, then, then we can really work with that individual and, and cater them on, but it's, it's a job to them in a year. No, no, in 10 years, let's say that they left or you fired them or there was a big falling out, like fast forward their life in 10 years. It's, it's part of their history, but it wasn't the thing that like changed their story. So having that realization first relieves the burden a little bit that they're going to go live their story. They're just going to go do it somewhere else. Um, makes that a lot easier. Um, but the quest to surround yourself with people who enjoy what they're doing and are pushing the ball in the right direction and believe in the vision, cultivating that environment is not only worth it, but you understand that not everybody fits in that environment. And so you're going to end up getting it wrong in the hiring process. And eventually that individual is going to have to be let go sometimes through no fault of their own. Sometimes you have to be king and let go of your favorite people. Maybe, maybe a salesperson who's just killing it, but he's poison in the company for whatever reason, bad attitude, negativity, Maybe they're, um, you know, hitting on the, the, uh, the women in the office, like whatever it is. And for the good of the kingdom, they got to go. They just got to go. And so, yeah, I think that as a business owner, the more you experience this, the easier it's going to be. And it'll just be another part of the day for the most part. Every once in a while, there'll be that one where you don't want to do it or you know it's good for the good of the company but you know it's going to affect them or it gets ugly like it turns bad or they get time to think about it and they think enough time has passed and they go leave a review on glass door and you got to figure out which parts you should take to heart and which ones you should just reject outright like that will still be with you forever if you have any kind of empathy at all uh, so that part will always be hard but yeah if it goes well like hey sorry man 
things aren't working out. Yeah. You know, I, I in the last couple of weeks, I haven't really been feeling it anyways. Maybe I'll, I'll, and they go like the next day. It's not even a thing. It's not even on your whiteboard anymore. And they're off hunting the, the job market, maybe going to be landing the perfect job. Um, the one that really makes them happy that, that they're excited about to go to every day. And that the one that they're kind of sad when the weekend shows up. So, um, so that's how I look at it. So yeah, externally employees even, um, or individuals who don't understand the full scope of what it's like to be a business owner can be like, Oh, that's cold hearted. You just fire people because they don't fit. Yeah. <laughs> kinda. You know, it's like you, you've got this pie in the population and not everyone is, um, deserves to be a service monster employee. And I would do the people here that we have cultivated a disservice by just hiring and letting anyone come in and do whatever they wanted and not really be part of the team to the people who are working hard and wanting to push the ball in the right direction. I would not be honoring them. So, uh, so yeah, sometimes you got to be King Solomon, cut the baby in half, or sometimes you got to make the hard decision, but that's why it's all on you. That's also why it's all your fault because you have ultimate power and control to make the ultimate change. So that shit don't happen no more. So, yep. Yeah. And we don't know the exact, you know, scenario that Eric is talking about, but I think that that's a, you know, kind of a really good point. And really just from the employee side, I think that uh, the point that you touched on that really gets forgotten about a lot is if you have, let's say you have a, a 10 person team and nine of the people are working their butts off every single day they, they, they're following what you've set up, or maybe they've even brought new ideas to the table that have made things more efficient or whatever they might have done to make your company better. And there's one person on the team that whether they're doing well or doing average or, or whatnot, but for whatever reason, they are maybe not following the same protocols. Maybe they're making extra work for other employees. Maybe they still have a terrible attitude. And while they're great on the phone, they're maybe not great to employees. Maybe they have a huge ego. All of these things come up. They've come up, you know, in jobs that I've worked at. You know, people are people. You know, there's seven and a half, what, billion of us, and there's a lot of idiots in that. So if you let that go on, Idi- because oh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you let that go on, because maybe it's difficult to hire someone, maybe it's a bad time to hire someone, maybe they fill an, uh, a hole that was very difficult for you to finally find someone to do that work or so on. If you let that go, you're going to be worse off because you're probably going to drive some of your good employees away or at the very least, you know, they're going to be super upset uh, or stressed out when they're at work and things like that. And so it's not always a, a, you know, black and white scenario. There are other things you have to take into account there. And so I think that's what makes it even harder. There's a whole other dimension to that. And that is perception because perception is reality to the individual perceiving it. And so someone could perceive an ego based off their exposure. Somebody could perceive a lack of work ethic based off their idea of how work should be done versus how someone else's idea of work should be done. You know, my, my father uh, was in technology as well. Um, Didn't really do the business thing, but he was in technology and he would, Sometimes sit, lean back in his chair and close his eyes. And for an hour, he'd kind of play with models in his head. 
I do the same thing. But he'd get people that would walk by his office and be like, what the hell, Joe's sleeping. Like, he's not sleeping. He's solving your data problem. <laughs> like, we're crunching hard stuff. We've got to twist it and play with it and bend it and model it and then envision how it's going to work and then process it 9,000 ways and then see within our mind's eye if we can discover the inefficiencies uh, to what we're looking to do before we can move forward in the real world. Otherwise, you just throw something in blindly and there's going to be all kinds of problems. It's crap code. So anyway, so a little example there. It's, It's about perception as well. So if somebody perceives it now as a communicator and as a leader, it's your job to fix the perception as well. And so that could be just with conversation, visibility, accountability, metrics, check sheets, worksheets, logs, like there's all kinds of ways to address that. And then if there are poor performers, then not waiting too long. Not you know, obviously the first one's empathetic. If they were a rock star and now they're not good. Then it's the question, Hey man, what's going on? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like we're, getting the same commitment out of you that we used to can we help you with that is there problems at home is there stuff going on are you mad at work because it could be their perception about somebody else's work ethic that brought them down uh and so anyway but sometimes it's just okay we gotta go you gotta go so yeah i think that's really it there's a whole kind of there's multiple layers you have to take on. Unfortunately, as the owner, it's up to you. So, yep. All right. Well, that's all I got for you, Joe. Awesome. Michael, anything else you want to chat about today? Nope. You guys covered a lot of good stuff today, but I got to listen, which is great. So <clears throat> I don't have the COVID. It's okay. You're Very good. At home, all right. So you wouldn't try to spread it. Anyways. <laughs> that's right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for your attention. We hope you enjoyed our little chat with Broadly. Um, look for more guest appearances in the future. If you have any suggestions, shoot them our way. That would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, take care. <laughs>